This is for our love of a galaxy far, far away. It's a galaxy as big as our imaginations, but it feels close like a member of the family. This is Forever Star Wars. Hello there. The concept of home is explored many times in Star Wars. The most common theme is that of home life interrupted. Characters who are settled and secure find their lives and homes ripped apart by tragedy or circumstance. But what signifies home in a galaxy far, far away? Family certainly plays a part, but home as a concept could apply in a lot of unique ways in Star Wars. Han Solo, for example, was someone without a home. He was a free spirit. Moving from job to job, charter to charter, sometimes on the level, sometimes under the radar, often outside the law. But as much as Han seemed like a character not tied down to any one place or concept of home, at least in the original trilogy, he does have a home. It's the Millennium Falcon. To Han, the Falcon represents independence, freedom, guts, and glory. It's the one place he feels the most centered and the most comfortable. The Falcon is a paradox of contradictions. It's barely held together by scrap and moxie, but it always comes through in a pinch. The Falcon is not only a ship that Han was drawn to because his father had assembled freighters back on Corellia, the Falcon was also an extension of Han. This is a Corellian YT-1300. Ah, you know your stuff. I've been on one before. My dad worked the line of the CEC plant before he got laid off. He built these. He wanted to be a pilot, but... Uh, you, uh, close with the old men? Not really. It's corridors and circuitry infused with the same kind of reckless gumption that kept Han Solo out of trouble. It might not have had a picket fence, but the Millennium Falcon was as ideal a home to Han as he'd ever known. So this idea of home got me thinking about other examples within Star Wars and how those concepts of home could impact me as I found myself facing a new path and a new future for the first time in my life. Birmingham, Alabama has been my home for, well, since I was born. I've never lived anywhere else. Whether you live in a small town, a small city, a large metropolis, or in the middle of nowhere, home tends to be the place you know the best. It's a place where you feel the most like yourself. I'm currently in the process of moving from the only city I've ever called home and making a new life in a new city and a new state. My husband Steve has a job opportunity in Tampa St. Pete, Florida. So after nearly 25 years together and a full 20 years in our current house, we'll be embarking on a new adventure together. It's exciting and terrifying. I'm a jumble of emotions, to be honest. 
But this transition at this stage of my life got me thinking about what home truly means to me. How I feel about the place that I've defined my relationship to my husband for for so many years. And since this is a Star Wars podcast, I realized I could look to Star Wars for inspiration on the notion of home. Luke Skywalker's feelings about home are front and center at the start of Star Wars A New Hope. He lives in the most desolate place imaginable. Stark, flat, featureless. The terrain stretches as far as the eye can see in every direction. The heat of the day creates dancing mirages on the horizon. Quivering pools of heat appear like water at the far edges of the Great Chot Salt Flat on which the Lars homestead sits. Luke spent many hours of his life staring off into the distance of nothingness and letting his mind wander to the places he could only dream of. His earlier years were more satisfying as Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru provided Luke with love, security, and a productive, structured childhood. But as Luke matured into a young man, his spirit grew restless. Take these two over to the garage, will you? I want them cleaned up for dinner. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Home had become a prison sentence for young Luke. It represented all the things that he was shackled to that kept him from experiencing the thrills and adventures that he dreamed about. And if these new droids do work out, I want to transmit my application to the Academy this year. You mean the next semester before the harvest? Sure, there's more than enough droids. Harvest is when I need you the most. It's only one season more. This year we'll make enough on the harvest that I'll be able to hire some more hands and then you can go to the academy next year. You must understand I need you here, Luke. But it's a whole nother year. Look, it's only one more season. Yeah, that's what she said when Biggs and Tank left. Where are you going? Looks like I'm going nowhere. I have to go finish cleaning those droids. He watched his friends depart for bigger places and Luke could only feel a massive sense of FOMO on that small, restrictive existence that seemed so important to his uncle. Luke's father, Anakin, had similar feelings about his home on Tatooine. Decades earlier, Anakin met a wayward Jedi and shared his views of the galaxy from the back porch of the slave quarters he shared with his mother, Shmi. Stay still, Nelly. Let me clean this gut. There's so many. Do they all have a system of planets? Most of them. Has anyone been to them all? Hmm. <laughs> Not likely. I want to be the first one to see them all. Anakin's eyes were alight with the wonder and the promise of a star-filled sky. Anakin's existence was much harsher than Luke's. Anakin lived in servitude. He and his mother were treated like property. The only path to freedom for Anakin came in the form of a barter between his owner Watto and Qui-Gon the Jedi. Qui-Gon used the planet's propensity for gambling to work in his favor. By winning the Boon to Eve pod race, Anakin's shackles were broken, and a new life of freedom awaited. But that freedom came with a heavy cost. Shmi remained behind on Tatooine. Anakin had to leave the place he called home. But for Anakin, home was not a place. It was a feeling. Son, my place is here. My future is here. It is time for you to let go. I don't want things to change. But you can't stop the change, any more than you can stop the suns from setting. His mother's patient love and understanding and gentle way of explaining a harsh galaxy to him was the thing he most associated with security, 
compassion, and strength. The Jedi Order would soon become a new concept of home for Anakin, but one that was far more complicated and tumultuous than the modest dwelling he left back on Tatooine. Fate called Anakin away to a new life and a new home in the form of a wise sage who believed he had a destiny. Years later, Anakin's son would also be approached by a wise sage with an offer to leave his home as well. You must learn the ways of the Force if you're to come with me to Alderaan. Alderaan? I'm not going to Alderaan. I've got to get home. It's late. I'm in for it as it is. I need your help, Luke. She needs your help. I'm getting too old for this sort of thing. But Luke, disquieted by boredom as he may have been, was also unsure of himself or his potential. He was caught between a wanderlust for adventure and the echo of his uncle's words. The ghosts of responsibility weighed heavy on Luke's options. But as events played out, those options became tragically limited. If they trace the robots here, they may have learned who they sold them to, and that would lead them back home. Oh, wait, Luke! It's too dangerous! Luke raced home out of instinct. Tatooine was a harsh and dangerous place where settlers often had to rely on each other for supplies and safety. The desert had nothing resembling mercy, but the Empire was even less forgiving. Luke had no idea what he was going to do when he got there, but his connection to home and to family and his feelings of responsibility towards the two people who had cared for him and raised him was the motivation that drove him back to the homestead. From miles away, he could see the smoke spiraling up from the horizon. His eyes confirmed it once there. Luke's home was gone. His family, gone. Tatooine was nothing to Luke now. Nothing but a horrible reminder of what he had lost. Ray's idea of home was the hollow shell of an all-terrain armored transport. She grew up in a graveyard of history, one of the last major stands of the Empire in its war with the Rebel Alliance. Here on Jakku were the colossal carcasses of fallen star destroyers. The cacophony of their death throes had long since fallen silent, their stories carried far away by the howling winds. To Ray, the ships were nothing more than ghosts on the horizon, but these rusted wrecks were also cathedrals of opportunity for a scavenger like Ray. Where others saw ruin, Ray saw sustenance. Picking the bones of starships for useful scrap was what kept her alive. She had grown up with a sixth sense for finding treasure in trash, jewels from junk. This resourceful but solitary existence was lonely. Jakku was home because it was the last place she saw her family. Quiet girl. She was very little then and she didn't understand why she'd been left on this planet in the care of the brash and odious Unkar Plutt. Her parents must have had a good reason. They must have had a plan to come back for her one day. 
Luke's idea of home was family and responsibility. Anakin's home was Shmi's love. Ray had, well, she had an idea. I know all about waiting. For my family. They'll be back. One day. Come on. She found shelter in the unforgiving wilderness of Jakku, wherever she could. But her home was the hope living in her mind. She held it as tight as her staff that she used for salvaging and for defense. In a way, Ray's belief that her family would return was a protective armor that shielded her from Jakku's most relentless despair. Much like Luke, Ray became thrown into the precarious events of the day. She met people who would quickly form a different kind of home for her. The chance encounter with a deserting stormtrooper led to Rey being thrust into the conflict between the Resistance and the First Order. But the new friends she made along the way, Finn, Han, Chewie, Leia, and eventually Poe, would become Rey's new family, a chosen family. I recorded an episode about the importance of chosen family last year, so if you want to hear more about that, check it out. But family as it relates to home is everything. A home can be mortar, brick, or steel. Or it can be a feeling, an escape, a respite. It can also be as simple as a feeling of belonging. Home is knowing that others have your back. It's being held accountable for your choices and your actions by those who know you the best and want the best for you. What do you say? That it was your idea. Thank you. Ray was on her own for so long that it truly surprised her when others wanted to be part of her life. Knowing that there was someone in the galaxy who had risked their lives to come back for her meant everything to Ray. It was the family she'd been longing for. Finn, in his own way, was also looking for home. FN-2187, submit your blaster for inspection. Yes, Captain. And who gave you permission to remove that helmet? I'm sorry, Captain. Report to my division at once. The only one he'd known was a place of violent conformity. The First Order provided structure and absolutism. But what it required in return was too much for Finn to comply with. So he escaped into the larger universe and found himself utterly lost without direction until he met Ray. But unlike Ray, who saw the mission of the Resistance as worthy and true, Finn was running from anything that would make him face the First Order again. If you live long enough, you see the same eyes in different people. I'm looking at the eyes of a man who wants to run. You don't know a thing about me. Where I'm from, what I've seen. You don't know the First Order like I do. They'll slaughter us. We all need to run. Hmm. Finn thought he was running towards a new home which was anywhere that Ray was. But Finn had a destiny to fulfill, and once he confronted that destiny and found his place within the rebellion, he came to know it as home in the same way that Ray did. You are always scum. Rebel scum.
Who are you? What are you doing here? In Season 2 of The Clone Wars, an injured Captain Rex comes under the care of the Laquane family on Seleucami. The patriarch of the family is an ex-clone trooper named Cut, who married a Twi'lek named Sue and adopted her two small children. Cut was a war deserter, or as Cut might say, I like to think I'm merely exercising my freedom to choose. To choose not to kill for a living. That is not your choice to make. To Rex, that was unacceptable. Cut's only experience with the concept of home was being with his brothers. The conflict wiped out his team, and he felt like his brothers had died for nothing. In Cut's eyes, his home had been stolen from him. So he set out to find a new home and a new purpose. Yes, well, you and I may be clones, but we're still individuals. You have a name rather than a number, Captain. Why is that? Perhaps our leaders feel it's a more efficient way of distinguishing us. More efficient than a number? Hmm. I doubt the Kaminoans think that way. Still, the name has to make you feel unique. Especially in an army where everyone looks like you and talks Actually, like you. Actually, I've never really thought about it. Yes, you have. Well, how would you know? Because I am as close to you as any life form can be. Rex believes Cut abandoned his responsibilities, or worse, took a coward's way out by refusing to fight for something worthwhile and dishonoring the sacrifices of the brothers who gave their lives for that cause. But soon, Rex realized that Cut was willing to die for something. Daddy, we finished our chores. Can we go outside and play? Please? Okay, only for a few minutes. Thank you, Daddy. Come on, Jack. And keep the house in view. We will. You have wonderful children. I know you think I'm a coward, Rex. But believe me, I'll fight to my last breath to keep them safe. In many ways, Cut and Rex were very much alike, both fighting for a safe and secure future for the next generation. The clones are an interesting study because they were created for a single purpose and from a single original DNA source. They appeared identical in most respects, but they were not carbon copies of each other. Clones, while loyal to each other and to their mission, showed signs of independent thought and individualistic expression. Rex, for example, bound by honor to a code he believed in, exhibited his drive for distinction by dyeing his hair blonde and shaving it down to a buzz cut. Other clones brandished facial tattoos or facial hair to set themselves apart. Despite their nature as clones, they each displayed a propensity to explore their own uniqueness. Cut's desire to set out and find his own life and purpose, beyond the programming of his Kamino origins, was an extension of this individualistic drive in all clones. A dark truth about the clones, that their free will was merely tolerated by the Kaminoans due to the failsafe, the inhibitor chip, implanted in their brains. It was a ticking clock counting down to the moment when all clones would be activated as subservient weapons to wipe out the Jedi and wrestle the galaxy into submission under the control of the Emperor and his new empire. If allowed more freedom of expression and individual will, more clones may have chosen the life that Cut did. As more clones saw their homes and their brothers obliterated by the conflict, they may have begun questioning why they were fighting, but that didn't happen. For a time, Cut represented a possible future for all clones. A new home and a new family could give them purpose beyond being fighting machines. 
Home could give them more choices over their own destinies, more ways to better the galaxy, but most of those futures never came to pass. For Cut, and maybe even for Rex, a glimpse of the possible was all it took to give them a new idea of what they could call home. The house was the last stop on our list for that day. Our realtor had given us a selection of homes that were on the market and we spent a Sunday driving around to see them. But the last one didn't look like much of anything we'd be interested in. It had no curb appeal. I almost suggested that we just pass it by, but it was close, so we figured, what's the harm? At the top of a ridiculously steep driveway, the house stood on a wooded hill. It had ugly brown aluminum siding. The approach from the street took us up the steep driveway to the two garage doors on the side of the house, but it wasn't immediately apparent which side was the front. There was no discernible front yard. Dead, a path around the left corner led to a wood staircase and a small, badly weathered front porch. The front of the house faced the woods on the hill below, but what it lacked in front appeal, the house made up for in privacy. It wasn't much better on the inside. Vaulted ceiling and spacious living room, but the carpet was from the 1980s and the walls were an ugly wood paneling. The downstairs basement area contained several more rooms and another bath, but it was badly mildewed and splotches of mold peppered the walls. The backyard did have a nice large pool, but the water was dark green. The place was an utter wreck. But I didn't see a wreck. I saw potential. Since the house was high on a hill, the two large windows in the living room looked out upon a grove of trees. From that high up, it felt like we were in a treehouse. Three quarters of the lot was surrounded by forest, giving the place a feeling of being a retreat. It just felt right. The house would require a lot of work, and it was a steal considering it was a foreclosure. But we decided we could use that extra money to make some improvements and turn the house into something we could feel proud of. That aspiration took us almost 20 years to fully realize, but we made it happen. The house on Dabney Drive became a reflection of ourselves. We added touches of art and bold accents and embellishments that made the house distinctively ours. We wanted a place that would feel like we were stepping out of the mundane and into a sanctum of beauty. It's a strange feeling, packing up 20 years of memories. The halls of this house no longer belong to us. Soon they'll know a new family and will be filled with new memories, just not ours. In the past few weeks, I found myself sitting in its rooms, feeling the stillness soaking up some final moments of communion with what I once called home. I've been saying goodbye. But this house was not always my home. I've lived in several, and it will not be the last. Florida and my husband's new job represent a chance to explore a new definition of home. We're moving to the city of St. Petersburg. I've only been there once, but it immediately felt like a place I wanted to live. I take it as a sign that that's where I'm meant to be now. I'll miss Birmingham with its oak-lined streets and gentle rolling mountains, and I'll miss my family. It's such a bittersweet feeling, 
what you leave behind versus what lays ahead. Just like Luke or Ray taking those first steps into an unknown but exciting future, I know my destiny is out there, somewhere, patiently waiting for me to find it. I guess you could say, it's calling me home. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Forever Star Wars. The past year has been a challenging one for many of us, but with my move to Florida, I've found it more difficult to keep up with new episodes of Forever Star Wars. I appreciate your support and patience over the last year. I have another episode in the works, so stay tuned as that episode is going to drop in just a few weeks. I'll be posting updates on social media about my move, so if you want to follow me to hear more about that or anything else going through my mind regarding Star Wars, Follow me on Twitter at DJMMarquee. I'm also on Instagram at MMarquee1205. And you might even see me appearing in person on some fan YouTube channels. I've been doing more of those guest stints lately, and I've really had a great time. So I'm sure there'll be more of those to come. Channels that you can find my guest appearances on include Force Connect, Pink Milk, Podcast of the Wills, and Jake Eyes and Jedi. And of course, for the best in-depth analysis of all things Star Wars, check out my home base of ClashingSabers.net for insightful essays and articles, and check out the other program offerings on Clashing Sabers Network, including Starships, Sith Talk, and Don't Burn the Sacred Texts. Until the next episode of Forever Star Wars, may the spires keep you. The views and commentary of Forever Star Wars do not reflect those of Lucasfilm or Disney. All licensed sound and music are property of their respective copyright holders. Clashing Sabers and Forever Star Wars are not affiliated with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of their subsidiaries. The commentary and production of this series is the property of Clashing Sabers and Forever Star Wars and may only be used with permission. Until next time, may the Force be with you. And always remember... This is...